0: All right, thank you. I'm so appreciative of brother T- brother Knudsen's testimony tonight. Such a blessing to us. Let's stand and take our Bibles. Revelation chapter one tonight. Revelation chapter one. I have a short period of time to get this message in, so. We're not we're not rushing through Revelation this year. I'm just going to maybe come back to some preach a little bit more on this here from Revelation 1. But we're starting a new series tonight, Revelation 1. We do have the Lord's table. I do want to be conscientious. We have a lot of young families that need to get your kids home. So we'll try to do our best to kind of move through things tonight. I might cut this a little short this evening here. Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, look around you. And maybe one of our, our members will share their Bible with you. It's the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1. Say amen if you're there tonight. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. That's Asia Minor. It's modern-day Turkey now. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was. And which is to come. If I just ended there, that's glory time, amen? Amen. That's Jesus Christ there. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's shouting ground right there. And has made us kings and priests Unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he, that's Jesus, cometh with the clouds. And every eye shall see him. And they also which pierce him. That's not talking about the rapture. That's not talking about the rapture. That's talking about the second coming of Christ. Every eye shall see him. At the rapture, no eye shall see him. You're not going to see him. In the twinkling of an eye will be caught up. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. Which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother... And companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the aisle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, to Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. We're going to stop there at verse 11 tonight. And for just a few minutes, if you'll indulge me and bear with me, I'm going to preach you a message entitled, A 2020 Vision for a Darkened World. A 2020 vision for a darkened world. Father, thank you for everything we've heard, for Brother Matthew's testimony. And we think about the great need of Sri Lanka for the gospel, especially right now with the new uh, president or prime minister who's in place, who is uh, very pro-Buddhist, and uh, things have the appearance that they're going backwards and going back to what they wore 30 years ago. And we do pray, God, that you would put your hand upon that nation right now for the advancement of the gospel And then for the preacher tonight who came and just shared with us the amazing hand of God on his life. Lord, only we can say this. It's only God that did that. It's not of man. And tonight, Lord, we think about the songs we sung about the cross and about Calvary. And for just a few moments, get our hearts ready for the Lord's Supper this evening for our church family. Father, help me to preach this evening. I need clarity of mind. These are your sheep. They're the people of your pasture. As the chief shepherd and bishop of our souls, as the great shepherd of the sheep, who through the blood of the everlasting covenant makes his his people perfect unto all works. I pray tonight that you would shepherd your people's hearts through me tonight. And Father, help me to take the oversight thereof, not by constraint nor for filthy lucre, but dear Lord of a willing mind, and to feed the flock that's here today. And I pray that, God, you'd guard their hearts and their souls. And I pray that you lift every burden that's here, what you've given me for tonight, that your church needs. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen, you may be seated. 20-20 20/20 vision is an accepted term to describe normal eyesight. How many have 20/20 vision without without corrected lenses? Anybody have 20/20 vision without needing glasses? Brother Aaron, really? I thought all this time you wore contact. God bless you. How many fingers? Okay. Anybody else? Honey, you got 20/20 vision? Oh, God bless you. Who else has 20/20 vision? Has 20, 20? Chrissy, God bless you. Who else has 20/20? Man, you guys are great. Terry Sue, you got 20/20 20, 20 vision? How many fingers do you see, Terry Sue? Okay. <laughs> vision, an accepted term to describe normal eyesight. It basically means that a test subject is able to see at 20 feet what people with normal vision are able to see. So if you're like me, that's 20, I don't know, several thousand. I'm not sure what it is. Um, But whatever it may be, if you have like 20-100 vision, this means that you must be as close as 20 feet to see what a person with normal vision could see at 100 feet. And uh, 2020 twenty twenty vision is important for visual acuity. In Revelation chapter 1, John talks to us about things he saw. Would you notice this? In chapter 1 verse 2, he said, He bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. In chapter 1 verse 11, the Lord speaking to him said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest. Write in a book. How me understand tonight that what he saw, he had to write it accurately as the Holy Spirit of God gave it to him. He could not deviate from that. We believe, according to 2, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God. Now, in the Greek, it's pasa, grafe, theonustos." It basically means that every word of God is inspired. Not the thought, but the word. God gave every word. We believe in an inspired word, not an inspired thought. That's the problem with, 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 with modern-day translation, translations. Many modern-day translations, there are translations Translation of the thought and not word for word. We believe in a word for word translation. That's what the word means. When we look at 2 Timothy three sixteen, and he says here, write what thou seest, write in a book. Notice chapter 1, verse 12. And he said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And he said, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, if you read this chapter, John is seeing some phenomenal things. I mean, he's seen some things that uh, at that old age of life he had that never got etched out of his mind. In chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Chapter one, verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be. John wrote about things that he saw. He got a close up look into real events that will occur in the future. The book of Revelation is a book speaking to us about the future. I said this this morning in our introduction to the book of Isaiah. We are looking in the future. Listen, as a Christian, we can be thankful today. We know what's going to be happening in the future. You don't have to be afraid of the future. We know what's going to happen in the future. God gives us his word. What a wonderful opportunity. We study through Revelation as we study through Isaiah, as we study through the prophets, that you can take uh, that that those lessons that we go through in the reading of Scripture to help counsel and walk people through who have a fear of the future. Future. And so, for a moment, let me give you a brief introduction about some things we will see in Revelation. I have to cut some of this short for tonight. I want to talk to you about some things we're going to see in Revelation. And I want you to just hang tight because we're just going to have a wonderful time uh, looking at B- B- uh, Bible prophecy. And I want to forewarn you as you, as you get into the study. Some of you might just be, some of you are very good students and you might have just this interest in wanting to study a little bit further. It's very, very important when these prophetical books, especially Revelation, that you have the proper and right interpretation. Now, we are futurists. And what we believe here We're not preterists Who believe all these things happen And will not happen again You must understand That a lot of books that are written Are not correct interpretations And you must not rely on those books there You have to understand How the scriptures correlate together And as I said this morning We'll see some things from Isaiah That will correlate with our revelation And some things from Revelation We'll go back and talk about Some of the other books of the Bible That deal with this But we must understand It is dealing with the future I mean look at chapter 1 verse 1 The very start there in verse 1 The revelation of Jesus Christ The word revelation 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 is where we get our word apocalypse from. And it's talking talking about end times. Everything we find written here. He talks about the things which you've seen and the things which are. Look at verse 19. This is a critical text right here. Verse 19 is a very critical text in understanding how the book of Revelation unfolds. Notice this. He says in verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen. And the things which are. Now what were the things which are? Well that's what he's writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor. The seven churches that are listed there. Ephesus and Smyrna and the Laodicea and all those churches. Those are the things that are. And he's talking about the church age. He's talking about the church. This is a great book just dealing with local church issues and local church things. And I've preached through those seven churches in the past about seven or eight years ago. But I'm going to preach through it again and I'm going to take a little bit of a different route. And I might spend two or three messages per church because there's some dynamics about that that we need to understand in terms of the anatomy of a church and, and the flow of a church and the functionality of a church and some dangers that churches go into so that we don't fall into them. And he says there, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are. And he says the things which shall be hereafter. And the majority of the book of Revelation deals with things that are hereafter. Now, if you'll, you'll walk, go with me on this, we're going to see these churches in chapters 2 and 3. We start chapter 4 in verse 1 and we see the rapture there. We hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ as the voice of a trumpet saying, come up hither, That's our lord. That's the usher call. Hey, by the way, he might say come up hither tonight He may say come up hither now and you better be ready Amen, you better be ready for that and then we get to chapter four and five We're gonna have a wonderful time there because a lot of people look forward to heaven, but they know zero about heaven What do you know about heaven? That's why you have fear about what's going to happen to your life at death because you don't know nothing about heaven if that's where you're going to spend all of eternity, you better know something about heaven. Amen. You better know something about the country you're going to. Amen. And so and so we look at chapter four and five. It gives us a glimpse of what we'll be doing in heaven. What happens there. it's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's glorious. I mean, it, it is not great America. It's great heaven. Amen. You know, it's not not. You're not going to be on an amusement ride. There. I mean, it's going to be great there. And then we get to chapter six through 18 and it gets pretty rough. Because we see the apocalypse, we see the judgments of God. And I, Brother Vaughn was asking, he said, Pastor, do you have a, a theme for this book? And I said, you know, I've been really struggling with this in terms of a title theme that would be very appropriate. And you'll see on the screen here, the one that God gave us as we got into this week was Our God Reigns. Because as you go through this whole book of Revelation, Jesus is on the throne. Our God reigns, okay? And I want a theme that goes for every one of our teaching lessons this, this year that centers on God. We're, we're on only God, and we're going through, we're going through uh, Nehemiah in our adult growth group for the most part. And we're looking at the God who strengthens. And uh, this morning in Isaiah, we're looking, we're looking at Behold Your God from Isaiah 40, verse 10. And we have several new songs that the choir will be coming out with this year that will be a blessing. Uh, Miss Abigail sang a song I asked Brother, Brother Vaughn to pull out to have ready for this first Sunday. And they had it ready today, and I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, but they did. And only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And that's a good thing. And tonight we look at the book of Revelation. Uh, you know, uh, our God reigns. And we see that here in this chapter here. Now notice some things. The writer of Revelation, without any question, is the Apostle John. John was the author of five different books. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he book, wrote the book of Revelation. Now John has a major place in, in, among the, uh, uh, in, in Scripture. He, we see him as a disciple, an apostle, a servant of God a preacher, a pastor, a writer, and a friend. Uh, Revelation, interestingly, is the last book of the Bible. It is the prophetical book, as we spoke about. As we read through Revelation, there are many symbolic words, and that may be a little bit, little bit hard for some who try to read this in their devotion, trying to understand that. And I do encourage you to read through Isaiah and Revelation this year, and take your time, and don't let the symbolism uh, uh, discourage you, because the symbolism have meanings that God wanted us to understand, there, and there are good things there. Uh, as we read through Revelation, we see some major, major good Doctrines that are brought out, we see the doctrine concerning the church, ecclesiology, brought out here in these first three chapters. We see uh, we see much about what unfolds during the great tribulation after believers are raptured out of this world. What exactly happens here on on planet Earth? What is the wrath of God that's poured upon the world? And it it will stir our hearts on one end about the, the casualties and the disasters that the hand of God will have upon planet Earth. And over one third of the world's population will die off during that time from all kinds of different things. Things that are going on there, and then we'll read. We'll spend some time looking at a personality who's known as the Antichrist or the Man of Sin. And I've got several messages I'll probably preach about that that will help us understand who this man is and why he's the personification of Satan. There, if you would, Satan energizes. Uh, uh, Satan's energizes man. We'll see the judgments of God. We'll see the times of the Gentiles and the judgment of the nations. We'll see the second coming of Christ in chapter 19, and we'll correlate that with some of the uh, the Old Testament books that deal with the second coming of Christ there. And then we'll spend some time looking at the the millennium, the 1,000 year reign of Christ. Now, Pat, Brother Knutson, I don't know about you, but I've heard very in the 49 years I've been saved. I've heard very few messages. I've heard a lot of uh, some people allude to it, but I've heard very few messages, if any, on the millennium. And we need to understand that there's some things Ezekiel deals with from, Isaiah, from Ezekiel 40 to 49 or so. It deals with the, the temple during the millennial period. And, and I'm not sure I'll get into all that during this 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 this, this preaching time. But I would just want to say we, we'll be looking at the millennium and what goes on there. We'll see the great white throne judgment, the new heavens and new earth. But when you look at all these things which are very fascinating and about prophecy, which we want to know about, I want you to understand one thing. The central, central theme and the central, central figure in all the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. It's about our Lord Jesus Christ. And we must not lose sight. It's about Jesus Christ himself. And I and I love how how God in his infinite wisdom, because he's God only wise, how he opens up the book of Revelation chapter 1 and revealing Jesus Christ in the way that he does. And he gives us many names of Christ that we'll take some time to study. And he reveals Jesus Christ as the Lamb. And we see the Lamb who was slain and the Lamb on the throne and wonderful things about Jesus Christ as the Lamb there. So these would be wonderful things there. Now, John had a 2020 vision vision. God was giving a 2020 vision through these, through these uh, visions and these revelations. And I said this this morning, you might want to write this down. Now, when we think about visions, the word vision... A lot of people get a little spooky about that. They they think of spooky things like, you know, maybe somebody ate a bad pizza the night before and had these spooky things they saw or they had too many they had too many Costco hot dogs for $1.50 and, and the sodas and things like that. That's not what he's talking about there. When we see the word vision in the Bible, you want to write this down if you didn't, didn't know this before. When you see the word vision in the Bible, it's always talking about an open revelation of God. When it says where there be no vision, the people perish. He's talking in terms of context about an open revelation of God. He's talking about the revelation of God's word. And God, because his word, a lot of his word was unfolding at the time, and some of it was not written, he spoke through his prophets and he gave them a vision of things to come. When he spoke to Habakkuk, he told Habakkuk, write down the vision which thou hast seen. He said, like he, he said, go on a tower, wait up on the wall for me, I'll give you the vision, I want you to write it down. And when they got this open revelation of God, they were to record it to give to God's people. So always remember that the vision God gives, that he's speaking of here, predominantly through the word of God, is talking about an open revelation of God. Now, I call this text this this evening a 2020 vision for a darkened world because several weeks ago through 2 Thessalonians, I spoke about in 2 Thessalonians 2 about the falling away. I believe we're in that period right now, this time of apostasy. State of California just passed a law. I'm really, I've got my dandruff up on it right now. I'm really irked about this law that just got passed. It's among many that are just, just completely dumb. And this law basically comes out and says now that if you have a child in the public school system between kindergarten in sixth grade right now, if that child is defiant to the teacher and defiant to school administration, that child cannot be suspended. Now, I don't know what idiot came up with that law, but that is not right. And I'm going to tell you what he said. Now, that may be so, but you better train your children. That is not the thing to do. Okay, that is not the thing to do. And that God talks about that in Isaiah chapter one about rebellious children. I've nurtured them and nourished them, but they're rebellious. And uh, so now you have a child that just sits up in the teacher's face and cusses them out and is defiant. That child can not be suspended out of school. They're going to extend that from 8th grade to 12th grade. Man, they're already defined like it is. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, these, these are the kind of crazy laws that are going out there. We're in a world that's shrouded with darkness and spiritual apostasy. And John was given 2020 vision for a darkened world. And so with, with you know, with this vision tonight, we, we want to see God's message for us. And we want to see God's warning signs for us. We want to see God's will for us. And so when we look at this tonight, I want to give you a few thoughts and we'll get right into the subject. I'm going to cut through some of my, my message and then we're done tonight. Number one, vision is the ability to see near and afar. Vision is the ability to see near and afar. Number two, vision is the ability to see things that can be and things that should be, okay? Pastors, preachers, visionaries they want to see things that can be and things that should be. Elon Musk, like him or not, he has a vision for the future of what things can be with his kind of car. He has a vision of things that can be with a rocket ship. The founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, has a vision of how to deliver goods and merchandising. And and he's turned the world upside down. These men have a vision. Can I tell you tonight, we have a vision for the work of God. We have a vision for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A vision is of things that can be and should be Vision is the ability To see unsaved people Getting saved Vision is the ability To see rooms filled That are currently are not filled Vision is seeing men That perhaps look like A failure But seeing and praying That God can turn that man Into a blazing preacher Of the gospel of Jesus Christ Vision is being able to see A darkened community And seeing on an open lot Where God can raise up a church And put a church planter there And a man that has a fire In his bones And has the calling of God Upon his life And can go there And start a Bible believing Bible preaching Gospel soul saving station that can win souls to Jesus Christ Vision is being able to stand here at the pulpit And scan across the congregation And look abroad across this congregation And see a young man over there And a young couple over there And say God would you call them to the mission field Would you put on their heart That there's a great need over overseas For couples to go out and take the gospel of Jesus Christ And to see the power of God Working through ascending capacity of a church I mean that's vision being able to see those things And John had 2020 vision For a very darkened world. In this opening message, I want us to catch this evening just a few thoughts that I want you to take with you this week about God's 2020 vision for us in a darkened world. Number one, we need to have a 2020 vision from God and understanding God's purpose in suffering. We need 2020 vision to understand God's purpose and suffering we're starting this year and this church has a lot of trials going on my christmas i hope you had a great christmas time but my wife and i spent most of christmas for two weeks dealing with nothing but trials through the church and by the way we're thankful to do that amen we're thankful to serve god's people but i will tell you i popped a few more gray hairs that you just can't see right now and i lost a little more hair on some of these things some very hairy situations we're having to deal with right now but you know what it's just what god does in working through his people's life and i want you to notice verse 9 john said this I John, who also am your brother, notices in companion in tribulation. He's writing to seven churches. They're experiencing at that tail end, close to 100 AD, the dominion of the Roman Empire. Which, when he plain, when he talks about Jesus Christ and be dominion forever and ever, that was a slap in the face of the Roman emperor. Because he's making it known as an older man, 90 years of age. It doesn't matter who, if Diocletian is the Roman emperor, it doesn't matter, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. And I'm going to tell you tonight... It doesn't matter who the president is or the speaker of the house. It doesn't matter who's the governor of California. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still God. It doesn't change who he is. and It doesn't matter what this man here, in the country he, he's at, where God's called him, what goes on there and how anti-Christ and how anti-Christian they are. That man, just what he's here tonight is a testimony. Jesus Christ is on the throne. The Greek word for Tribulation. It's the word, the ellipsis. I spoke about this the other night. It has the idea of two very heavy objects. You with me? Pressing down on a center object. As it's pressing down, it's exerting tremendous pressure. And the great idea that they had in mind when the, the word, the ellipsis, was developed was the treading of grapes. You jump into a basket or to a vat, And you're just, you're treading down, you're putting pressure on the grapes, you're squeezing it out, you're pressuring it, you're putting great, you're putting your weight on it, you're putting such pressure, you're squeezing the juice out of the grapes. And when you're going through a tribulation and a trial, sometimes you feel like everything's being squeezed out of you. You do. You're not as motivated. You're not as encouraged. You're not sure what to do. And John, as we look at this subject here, we have to understand, John endured great suffering. He said, I am your companion in tribulation. He didn't say, I was your companion in tribulation. He said, I am your companion in tribulation. He says, I not only understand what you're going through, I, I am going through the same thing. Let me give you a couple of things real quickly there. There's the suffering of aging. The suffering of aging. John was 90 years old. You don't move as well at 90 years of age. Things are falling apart. Read Ecclesiastes 12. I don't say that in a flippin' way. Read Ecclesiastes 12. He talks about the grinders. He talks about sore knees. He talks about hip problems. He talks about the spinal cord bending over. He talks about the golden bowl and the silver cord. He talks about your heart going out. He talks about failing eyesight. He talks about all the effects of aging. And by the way, when Solomon wrote that, he was not an old man when he wrote Ecclesiastes. But he watched a lot of people as they age. He saw that there, and uh, you know, sometimes listen to me tonight. Sometimes we we get this mindset, and it's a Western mindset that 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 uh, aging's bad, and so we need to we need to kind of just you know coast our way through. I want you to understand. As he was aging, did you know this? When he wrote this, he is the last of the apostles that's still alive. He's the last surviving apostle. Now you haven't been there, and I haven't, but I'm going to tell you, I know a few people who have. When all your friends have died. And all your family's died off, and you're the last survivor, it's a pretty lonely feeling. Because you just know when's my time? When's my time? And he's feeling the effect of aging. He understands the loneliness. And I think I think as you think about his afflictions, I think the greatest trauma he went through, Pastor Knutson, was loneliness. Loneliness. Peter's not there. Peter got crucified upside down. James got killed by the sword. I mean, we go on and on and on about how these guys got killed. Matthew got impaled by a spear. I mean, you just go on and on and on about all these things and how they gave their lives for Jesus Christ. I mean, you go through age, but I want to tell you this tonight. As we get age, as we age, our, our mindset is I do less and I need to kick back and I need to do more of this and this. Let me, let me give some courage tonight. I want to encourage you to be a Caleb as you get older and go claim your mountain. I want to encourage you tonight to be an Anna. The prophet, like the Anna the prophetess, who departed not from the temple. She was over eighty years of age, who departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. You can be older and you can fast and pray. That's what you can do. I want to encourage you tonight to be to be like a nason over in Acts chapter twenty one. Most people read this and pass over it, but the Bible describes Nason word one or two words. He's an old disciple. They're in Caesarea. He's an old disciple. He stayed with it. You stay with it. You get older. Don't, don't fall off the radar screen. Stay with it. Stay with Jesus. Amen. You stay with it. Okay. You said we're all getting older. We're all, we're all going to change here, but you stay with it. You get that Caleb attitude. And he said, listen, my, 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 my strength, my, my strength is not abated. My eyes are not dim. Give me this mountain. He said there. But there's a second thing. We see, we see God's purpose of suffering through aging, but we see God's purpose is suffering through affliction. I want you to think with me for a minute. Johnson, I'm com- your companion in tribulation. He suffered painful tribulation. He was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. A cauldron of boiling oil. Tertullian, the church historian, said, it was in an open coliseum when they threw him in there. And some have said incorrectly, that he came out of that, God spared him, came out of it with his skin all boiled and things like that. I study this a little bit more. He did not come out of there with boiled skin and boiled over. God miraculously brought him out of the conjured oil. He was unhurt. He was unhurt. Tertullian writes, when he came out of that of oil and everyone noticed that he had not been burned, he had not been boiled, and he did not bend to the Roman government, scores of people in those stands gave their hearts and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Okay, read it up. Go read up Tertullian on that. Okay? I mean, I'll just tell you today, when you study, when you study the life of John, he suffered painful tribulation. He's exiled on a, on a prison colony there on the island of Patmos, which was just outside of Asia Minor there. God has divine purpose of suffering. Some of our church family is going in to suffering. Some of them are, Some of us are In the suffering. Some of us are coming out of suffering. And for some here tonight, suffering is just part of God's design for your life. But can I tell you tonight, aside from the glory of God, because God does it for His glory, can I tell you the two personal reasons why God gives you suffering, gives me suffering? Would you write this down? Number one, for cleansing. Number one, for cleansing. If you do not respond, if you don't have a repentant heart, you better listen to me tonight. If you don't respond and you don't have a repentant heart towards God, and you're living for months, days, and years with unconfessed sin, God will send you a trial to cleanse you. Because just like silver, and I was just reading this, I forgot where I was reading this the the other night, where he talks about the silver becoming like dross. Deeply embedded in precious metals are impurities. And unless they heat up, they, they put it in a crucible where the heat is at a, at a level that will melt that gold and that silver. So that the dross and impurities rise to the top. There's no way of having it be 100% pure. You're not pure unless every sin is confessed. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I said this this morning. Isaiah 118 Gives us the gives us God's remedy for a clean start to a new year. Our sins are like scarlet. Scarlet cannot be taken out of, out of a fabric without destroying the fabric. You cannot remove it without destroying the fabric. But that's where the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in Revelation 1.5 comes in. He says he washed us in his own blood. Washed our sins in his own blood. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can take that scarlet away and make it white as snow. So number one, we we need, God sends us trials. God sends us suffering for cleansing. Number two, God gives us suffering for closeness. Well, I'm close to God. Well, God might think you need to get a little closer. The psalmist said in Psalms 119 verse 71, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Spurgeon said this, men will never be great in theology until they are great in suffering. That's a great thought. He also said this, suffering times are Christian's harvest time. Number one, we see God's purpose. A 2020 vision sees God's purpose in suffering. Number two, this 2020 vision sees God's preeminence in the Savior. You read chapter one, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, amen? I mean... John, John, now, now, John, John was saved by the shoreline of Galilee, and John was called to be a fisherman, and John was part of that inner circle. If you read your Bible, he's part of the inner circle with with James and Pete and Peter and so forth. There, but I'm going to tell you what: if anybody knew Jesus, if anybody could describe Jesus, John would be them. I mean, look at you. Read the Gospel of John. He's described as the disciple who leaned his head on the on the chest of Jesus Christ. Can you be any closer to that? I mean, he knew Jesus. Amen. I mean, he could describe Jesus in detail. He could tell you he could tell you all about Jesus, how he prayed in the garden. He could tell you all about those things he knew about Jesus. He saw you. But I want to tell you something. He's 90 years old and it's been 60 years since he's seen Jesus. John needed a fresh vision of Jesus. And tonight, as we start the new year, we need a fresh vision of jesus we need a fresh vision of his power we need a fresh vision of his glory we need a fresh vision of his holiness we need a fresh vision vision of his attributes we need a fresh vision of all the names of god to describe his attributes and as we look at chapter one here he talks about so many wonderful things about jesus notice in these verses and verses two very quickly verses 12 to 17 he speaks about the savior who wants our attention i mean he's turned and saw the voice that spoke with him and he saw the seven golden golden candlesticks and those seven golden candlesticks represent the seven churches there but you know what his eyes went on the candlesticks his eyes were on that the one who is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks listen you can get your eyes so mesmerized and your attention so mesmerized on the buildings and you get so mesmerized on the campaigns and all the the assets of the church we forget that the assets and the building and all those things are great but they're not jesus we have to see jesus when we come to church He says things, he says, he calls him the son of man. He talks about he's clothed with a garment down to the foot. By the way, if there's any verse I could give you that speaks about modesty of the Christian attire, it's right there. Clothed down, clothed with a garment down to the foot. Girt about the chest with a golden girdle. I have so many things I can say. I don't have time. His feet were like fine brass. His eyes were like flames of fire. He held the seven stars in his hand, right hand. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Listen, we have. he had a fresh vision of Jesus. I saw him glorious and majestic. And he had a fresh vision of Jesus who saw him holy and lifted up. But we not only see a Savior who wants our attention, we see a Savior who wants our affection. He wants us to love him. Amen? He wants us to love and You love Jesus tonight. Oh, listen, you just can't sing the song, oh, I love Jesus, and you did nothing to show your love for him. Tonight, Jesus gives us this great revelation of who he is and what he is, and that we want our hearts for him. And John described this way He said, When I saw Him and tomorrow morning you pick up your Bible, don't you see Jesus in your word in the Word? When I saw Him, he said I fell at His feet, as dead. You have a casual attitude about reading your Bible. You're not like John. It's not changing your life. You're not reading it like John. You're not seeing Jesus. He said, I fell at his feet as dead. He's 90 years of age. He's got a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying tonight, a 2020 vision sees God's preeminence and savior. Number three, would you write this down? we got a 2020 vision for a darkened world. Sees God's passion for this society. He says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which should be hereafter. John is not in the major cities, he's exiled on the island of Patmos. God's design. Is for the church to be his representation in society. As messed up as this world is, as crazy as the laws that are being passed, as morality continues to decay, as men love darkness more than light, is men blaspheme God, we were witnessing to a man yesterday. And he said, you can have your God, but I'm living my life for myself. And the more we talked, I said, you basically believe your God then, don't you? And I said, well, maybe God needs to speak to you, sir, one, one of these days. God's going to have to show himself. He says, I hope he does. I said, you, I wouldn't have said that if I were you. He will show himself to you. And I'm just saying tonight, there's so many things I can say about this. God loves this world. It may be dark. It may be sinful. But God still knows that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And God loves this world. And I'm going to tell you tonight, with all the conflicts around the world, and the world sitting on tension, I want to tell you, even as much as this conflict is going on with some countries that have some very difficult situations, God still loves the sinners in those countries. God loves those sinners in that country, and we need to we need to keep praying for those countries, for God will raise up a gospel witness, for the gospel to get there. And uh, God, and by the way, God will have His way. It may not be through America, but God will have His way to get the word of God there. Okay, I'll just tell you that. I'm just amazed. I met Brother Justin. I remember talking to a man. The last day we were at the the Philippines about a year or two ago. And we still remember talking to a man that we we talked to at length who who was getting ready. He was a Filipino man that was now getting ready to go to Pakistan to be a missionary there. He understood the risks. He understood that he could die there. He talked to a missionary that was from Pakistan that was with us and telling about the going on. And uh, this missionary basically told him, Sir, you need to contact me when you come so I can teach you the ropes and show you the ways. And you're going to have to learn how to dress. and You're going to have to learn to do things. He said, because if you go the way you are right now, they're going to kill you the moment you walk on their streets there. I'm telling you tonight, there are people that are putting their lives on the line from other foreign soil that are going to these countries to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. While we're sitting here and we're complaining if it's too hot or too cold. We're worrying about if the floors are swept or not swept, all these things. I'm telling you tonight, God loves this squirrel and God wants you. I to love this world just the way he loves it God has a passion for this society it's tough I realize that you know and it's easy for us to get on auto mode autopilot mode on what we do and get used to people coming in because they found us on the internet or get used to somebody else doing the soul winning I'm telling you tonight we must identify with God's passion for society everyone can do their part in getting the gospel to someone and helping people find Jesus Christ the Savior this coming Saturday we have an all-church ministry soul winning you should determine on your calendar right now tonight you're going to be there this coming saturday and if all you can do is give one hour you give one hour there have been too many weeks there have been too many months there have been too many years where faithful people have done their work and others who could be there have not been there to support the work of god to get the gospel out and you're you're just you know you have a responsibility but you have all these reasons why i'm going to tell you tonight it's only god our priority for this year must be only god to set our schedule right and go you say i'm busy so am i so am I But I'm going to tell you tonight You've got to get your your priorities right And decide You're going to represent the Lord Jesus Christ And do what you can Thank God for the special planned services Our church has And we'll continue to have them But we must realize What builds the church Week in, week out Is people that are faithfully Getting the gospel Knocking on doors Trying to get people out Utilizing every every means we can To helping people find Jesus Christ as Savior God's A 2020 vision Has Understands and sees God's Passion for society. Brother and sister in Christ, the sun is setting for souls to be saved. So little time down our rice road. The sun is setting for souls to be saved. Spurgeon said this. Think lightly of hell and you will think lightly of the cross. Think little of the sufferings of lost souls and you will soon think little of the Savior who delivers them. A lot of us tonight, as we go to the Lord's table, we need to go back to those very early days when we first trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, didn't even know what the Bible was, didn't even know how to find the books of the Bible, didn't know what Old and New Testament was. We need to go back to those precious days when we had a hunger and a thirst for God, a desire for things, and someone took his track passing. When someone got as fired about preaching or maybe you heard somebody preach about soul winning and you got fired up. Many of us in this room who used to be a lot more fervent for Jesus Christ need to get back that fire, need to get back that fervency. I tell you where I'm at right now. To get that fervency where I'm wanting to be, I'm probably going to take some of my best soul winners in this church and start new adult growth classes with those, with those best soul winners so I can get things pumped up and fired because I know they'll bring them in and I know they'll follow the leadership of their preacher to try to get it done. I'm not saying anybody else isn't doing it, but listen, things are moving too slow for a lot of the stuff going on here because we've got Other priorities. If listen, if we haven't only got heart for the ministry, we're gonna realize tonight we've got to do everything we can to reorganize our schedule, to go after souls and reach them for the glory of God. Last thing I'm done. 2020 vision for a darkened world sees God's purpose in suffering. It sees God's preeminence through the Savior. It sees God's passion for society. Would you write this down? Would you notice this? It sees it sees God's power through his saints. Would you notice this? this is amazing. Verse sixteen and this encourages me. He had in his right hand seven stars. Before I became a pastor, I'm just gonna tell you my heart a little bit tonight. I didn't understand discouragement. I didn't get discouraged, rarely got discouraged. I didn't know what discouragement was. But when you're walking through valleys that only God can bring people out of. And situations that are hair-raising sometimes. You get a little frustrated that you don't have the ability in yourself to do anything to help them. And you've got to, you know you have to rely on God. And every time I read this, Jesus has those seven stars in his hands. I'm going to tell you as I close tonight. 2020 vision realizes. You and I can't get it done. You and I cannot get it done. Without his power. It's not going to happen. He has the power to save. He has the power to answer prayer. He has the power to start works and end works. He has the power to heal. If he still chooses to heal. He has the power to open doors. And he has the power to close doors. He has the power. And we misunderstand understand as he looked at Jesus standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, he's saying, listen, I want to, earth, I have the authority here and I have the power. And I'm just saying tonight, if we're going to shine brightly, we need his power. And if we're going to make a difference, we need his power. And if we're going to punch some holes in the mission field, we've got to have his power. And if we're going to exercise some faith, then do things beyond our capabilities. The preacher said tonight, we need his power. And if we're going to see more souls saved, we need his power. And I'm going to say to you tonight as we close, only God can give us his power. Only God is the authority for that power. He has God. God gives power to his saints. Let's, let's put aside these days of being insipid, powerless, And try to do things in our own power. And and, and just trust God. And come to God and say, God, I pour myself out to you. I need your power. And God, I need your help. And I need your enablement. I need capability where I have incapability. I need competence where I have incompetence. And I need adequacy where I have inadequacy. And I need power where I'm, where I'm powerless. We need to recognize tonight more than anything else. We crave and desire the power of God for our life. The power of God working through prayer. The power of God working through ministry. The power of God working through issues that we cannot solve. Only God can give us His power. We need a 2020 vision for a darkened world. And I'm glad as John wrote this, he tells us we can't have a 2020 vision for a darkened world. And we can't see God's purpose in suffering. And we can see God's preeminence through the Savior. And we can see God's passion for this society. And we can't have God's power as his saints. Would you claim tonight to get God's power? Would you do like John and see Jesus and get a fresh vision of Jesus tonight before we take the Lord's table? Would you come tonight and say, God, I acknowledge you and you alone as sovereign God as the only Savior of my life. And realize tonight, this year is going to be different. This year is going to be different in my devotions. And this year is going to be different in my soul winning. And this year's going to be different in my attitude this year is going to be different in my spirit and this year is going to be different in my people people relationship i mean everything about our life this year has to be only god where we realize only god is going to make the difference in all these things so in a moment we're going to get ready for the lord's table and i'm going to ask you to do this just for the sake of time tonight i want you to have the invitation right where you're sitting tonight and i'm going to ask you this evening to take a moment to search your heart and know your heart this evening and ask god to bring to your mind Things that need to be confessed to Him before we go to the Lord's table. Do not dare to come to the Lord's table with a heart that's filled with anger and wrath. And malice, and clamor, and bitterness, and evil speaking, and still stuck in the past, forgetting those things which are behind. If you're stuck in the past, you need to get out of the past and get to where things are right now. We need to let go of those things for lack of uh, for disobedience in our lives, and and uh, whatever it may be, maybe laziness for young people, whatever it may be. But tonight, if you're living in you're living in darkness instead of truth, you need to be in truthfulness in what you do. I'm asking tonight that we get our hearts prepared and ready. Then the by the, the songwriter said, the psalmist said, "Search me, O God, and know my heart." We need to ask God to search our hearts tonight and bring to the surface that dross inside of us that needs to be confessed and made right with god the deacons will come when i call them after i read scripture tonight we're going to dis- distribute the lord's table this evening we want to get our hearts ready before the time instruction so would you take your time right where you're seated you can bend you can you can kneel where you're at you can bow your heads where you're at but let's take a moment right now to kneel and meet with god right where you're at that our hearts would get our heart's right for the lord's table for our church family would you do that this evening While you're praying and thinking, if you'll just listen tonight, maybe you're struggling in an area of your life where there's repeated sins, you're lacking victory. I want to give you the encouragement of 1 John nine. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. Do you have an idol? Have you been living in truth? Are you being dishonest? You curse and swear? Have you blasphemed the name of God? You're having a hard time with grudges, envies and jealousies. The root of bitterness has found its way. Unkindness, unforgiveness, lustful thoughts, blatant disobedience. Maybe be tonight let's confess it before god the bible says that jesus christ washed us of our sins in his own blood the shed blood of christ cleanses us from all sins past present future all sins as we told somebody yesterday, you must at this point, you must humble yourself. Are you humble before God? On God's standard, not yours? Pride, arrogance, conceitedness, haughty spirit, contentious, filled with strife. We need to confess that. We need to confess it tonight. Not only do we need to confess it, we need to forsake it. He that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. Father, tonight, thank you for Heritage Baptist Church and this wonderful congregation. But Lord, we're human and we're sinful. Isaiah said that, you said to Isaiah, they're a sinful nation, a seed of evildoers corrupt children our heart is deceitful and wicked who can know it and we read about Jesus here in Revelation 1 John saw his holiness and John saw his authority John saw that Christ must be preeminent in our hearts and maybe some of us are struggling about that preeminence area that Christ is first On behalf of this congregation I confess sins of omission And commission Keep back thy servants From presumptuous sins And hidden sins And secret sins And sins of ignorance tonight Sins of the flesh and Sins of the spirit And as Isaiah said You said Isaiah come now And let us reason together. Father, sins are being confessed tonight. Thank you for cleansing and washing that comes from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepare our hearts now. Because the Bible says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. As we take the Lord's table, give us a fresh vision of jesus a fresh vision of the wounds of the suffering of the shed blood of the horrific trauma our savior endured on the cross for our sins and tonight as we enter your presence sanctify your people now through thy truth because thy word is truth prepare our hearts to receive the lord's table in a way that will glorify and please you and we pray for this now lord of you in jesus name amen